What would you do if you could do anything? Um, I think purpose for me is the why of what, of of our lives and also of the things that we do and the and and, and the values that we defend against. I think mistakes are in, inevitable, but it's really how you manage your mistakes and what you do after. That's the most important and crucial part. You know, so being able to deliver on that thing that is my purpose, which is to bring joy through movement. Our purpose is when we wake up every day and we love what we're about to be doing, uh, when we are living to our values, um, as well as I think being in service to others. That's that, that's what it is for me. There's just going to be something there that despite the ups and the downs, and there will be downs, you still want to persevere and, and go through with it. And that to me is how I would define purpose. Welcome to The Purpose Effect. I'm Elena. Join me for weekly conversations on purpose with women who have found it and are impacting their worlds with it. I speak to women who are building businesses, have turned their passions or side hustles into careers, or have dedicated their lives in service of others. I hope that by collecting these stories, I can offer you tangible lessons on how to discover, build, and grow purpose in your own lives. So let's get started. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Today's episode of The Purpose Effect is a little bit different because I don't just have one guest. I have all the guests that have been on the podcast this season. Thank you so much to all of you who have joined me in this journey and for your comments, your messages, and for following and subscribing to the show. This season, I've been having conversations with some incredible women. We've had women like Kylie Dennis and Tracy Minoknuku who have launched new businesses in the last year, in spite of, or perhaps even because of, COVID. We have women who are pursuing purpose through service, like Joan Lowe, the founder of Thoughtful, and Nina Ebsworth, the fertility guide. I've also spoken to Shireen Olick, aka the Illuminated Psychologist, who set up her own clinical psychology practice in the last year and many, many other amazing women. In having these conversations, I have learned so much. Steve Jobs once said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Throughout this season, I have tried to collect as many dots as I can on how women who have transformed their lives into ones of purpose are doing it. By collecting these dots, I'm hoping that I can now connect them to offer you tangible lessons on how to discover, build, and grow purpose in your own lives. I've noticed in these conversations that I am collecting the same dots over and over, and there is a reason for this. And we can find this reason in the work of two women who are experts in using storytelling to drive transformation, Nancy Duarte and Patty Sanchez. They have a framework, which they call the VentureScape, that outlines the steps that the hero's story or in our case, the heroine, must travel in order to reach the point of transformation. The steps in the VentureScape are the dream, the leap, the fight, the climb, and then finally the arrival. And we see these elements appear in mythology, in drama, religious ritual, and also psychological theory. They are part of any journey of transformation. So get comfortable with them, because if you are seeking to make a change in your life, you will go through each and every one of these steps. 
Where the lessons of this past season might help is in firstly, assuring you that however you feel right now, it's totally normal. And secondly, in showing you what you might need or how you might need to adjust your mindset to take the next step. Let's start at the beginning with the dream stage of the journey. The point in the journey where you've asked yourself the question, what would I do if I could do anything? And you have an answer. First of all, congratulations for getting to this point. Figuring out what you want to dedicate the next chapter of your life, career, or journey to is a very important part of starting. But how do you know if it's worth taking the leap? For some, it was an idea or an itch that wouldn't leave them alone. I'll always remember this nugget that came from Kylie Dennis, the founder of Homology Yoga, who was my guest in episode one. My aim was to complete my law degree. Um and go into human rights law. Mm-hmm. And so I came here on a um, internship for human rights organizations working with uh, refugees and migrant workers, particularly ones who had, you know, seen some form of abuse and needed help in the system. Yeah. And so I, during that time, had kind of worked for three months and it wasn't what I hoped it would be. Right. Um, and after, you know, going through university and working so hard and having these big ideas and this big sort of plan for life, it felt really, really um, like lunch bag letdown, you know, like it was not what I expected at all. And so I felt a little bit uninspired and and I was still practicing very avidly at this time. Yeah. You know, yoga had really become my moment in my day to just... Yeah tune out the noise. And so I kept going back to my mat, kept going back to my practice. And one night when I was out with some friends, someone had said to me, well, what would you do if you could do anything, regardless of how much money you would make, what would you do? And without even missing a beat, I said, I would teach yoga. I would open a yoga studio and I would teach yoga every single day because it's something that brings me an immense amount of joy and peace. Tracy Minok Nuku also talks about how, after decades of working as a fitness trainer, a trainer of trainers, and also co-founding a chain of gyms, the idea for her podcast, Sexy Aging, wouldn't leave her alone. When you start thinking about an idea and you can't switch it off, and you can't sleep because of it, and you have to get up and write about it, and you can't wait to get out of bed to start working on it, you know you're on to your next gig. One hurdle in getting from the dream to the leap is in deciding whether we are ready to take the plunge. When is the perfect moment to begin? But a consistent message in this story has been that there will never be a perfect time. And the sooner you begin, the better, as this will give you more time to try, learn, and refine. This is what Kylie Dennis has to say. Number one, don't wait until you have the perfect product. Start now. You will learn through experience. I'm very big on experiential learning, not just because I'm a yoga teacher and like that's how we learn on the mat, but that's how we learn in life. We do things, we see how it works and then we do it again. Yeah. And maybe we need to do it you know, differently the next time. Um, so just start. Don't worry about what you're putting out there. Put out your best effort and learn from it. And I picked up the same dot in my conversation with Shireen Olek. Shireen is a clinical psychologist who made the leap to starting her own practice in the middle of a global pandemic. She coaches people through making change and transformation. So she must know what she's talking about, right? Learning that it's okay sometimes not to have it all figured out or not have it all go according to plan. Just flow with it. 
And essentially that can actually help. Um, just a really good example of that would be imagine if at that time, if I kept saying, no, no, you know, I still got to be attached to an organization, I would have been struggling against this growth. And so when I was just flexible with it and I thought, hey, you know, maybe it's just time to go off on your own, that helped me grow. It was scary, but it helped me grow. Shireen also addresses fear of failure, which can be another barrier to taking the leap. And a lot of times people just say, okay, the worst thing that could happen is I get started, but my outcome, you know, people don't like my work. All right. So then you try again. You try something different and also trying to understand if you can start, that's how you figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work. But a lot of people view failure as something that's so scary. Here's the thing. If you never fail, how are you going to learn to succeed? So it's also that aspect of realizing if you're fearing failing, you're not giving yourself the best shot to take steps to succeed because you're always fearing that you might fail. Another helpful dot, which came from my conversation with Nina Ebsworth, a fertility guide who helps women navigate the emotional side of infertility or trying to conceive, is that when we are trying to make big changes in our lives, we cannot do this with thinking alone. We need to try to quiet our thinking minds and listen to our intuition. Yeah, well, so you said something there. You said you can't think what to do but intuition is not about thinking and it's not about using our thinking mind it's about feeling and really being guided from that heart space. Nina uses hypnosis and hypnotherapy to enable her clients to unlock the things that their intuition already knows. I'm not telling somebody where they should go. I don't know anything about your life, what has gone on. I am asking your subconscious mind to take us to where you need to go in order to heal. And it always knows, you know, all all the people that I have done this with, their subconscious mind has always known where to take them. Your body knows what it needs to do to come back into balance and to heal and to be in this place of well-being because this is our natural state and we just need to listen better. Sometimes the leap is driven by compulsion, by a need to serve. Joan Lowe, the founder of Thoughtful, a mission-led enterprise that aims to make mental health more accessible, wanted to fix the problems in mental health infrastructure. Having been a mental health carer for 20 years, she saw how urgently this problem needed addressing. Uh, Sometimes when you're in the system for too long, things are just as is because that's the way it is. Um, And that's the way it's always been. Uh, We forget to also think about or explore the different ways of how it can be or how it could be. Uh, and I think really where uh, the strengths that, um, that, that started coming into play at that, at that point, to be very honest with you, I was also very nervous. I was like, I don't know, you know, if this is going to work. Um, but, but I, I know that it's a problem that needs to be solved. So I'll try anyway. After taking the leap, we get into the fight climb stage of the journey. And this is often where we face our greatest challenges. Scott Belsky is the chief product officer of Adobe and is the author of a book about this stage in the journeys of new businesses. 
It's called the messy middle. Belsky says, creating something from nothing is a volatile journey. The first mile births a new idea into existence, and the final mile is all about letting go. No extraordinary journey is linear. In reality, the middle is extraordinarily volatile, a continuous sequence of ups and downs, flush with uncertainty and struggle. Maybe if we start our journey with the knowledge that the messy middle will be hard, we can better prepare ourselves for it when it arrives. Some common dots that came up in my conversations about the struggle-climb stage of the journey were fixations on specific outcomes, things that are beyond our control, and perfectionism. Nina Ebsworth talks about how all-consuming her need to conceive became, so much so that she lost the ability to find joy in anything else. We suddenly found ourselves on this IVF roller coaster. And at that, you know, when we started it, I had this expectation, I guess, that it would just happen. We, we would do a round of IVF and we would be pregnant. And it didn't. And I was so desperate for it that I insisted we went again and again and again. And we backed up these IVF cycles and they kept on failing or I would get pregnant and then miscarry. And it became this sort of never-ending cycle of bad news, month by month. And it, it got to a point where I was in a pretty low place. I, I mean, I, I can't actually recognize the person that I was now looking back during that time. And there is only so much your body can take. You know, you, re- you push away these emotions and you push them down and you down and down, you repress, you pretend. But at some point, it has to come out of you. Your body can't contain all of that. And I, I literally exploded. I couldn't keep it in anymore. And, and that was that. So, But it was the beginning of a huge period of transformation for me. The emotion in Nina's voice as she talks about that really low point is just so palpable and it reminds us of how much of a struggle the fight stage of the journey really can be. But Nina herself says that it was the start of her transformation, the start of her climb. Kylie also talks about accepting and moving on from things that are beyond our control. We initially opened up to like almost all day renovations. Right right underneath our space, which was not optimal. You know, when you're a brand new business and you're just, you're hoping that the people that visit you for the first time are going to return. It's unlikely that they're going to, if they spend the whole class listening to jackhammering, they'll be like, oh, this space is noisy. So that was really unfortunate and disheartening. And then shortly after the renovations finished, we found out that that spin studio hadn't done any soundproofing. Mm-hmm. And so for the years that followed, we basically had nonstop um, noise disruptions from, from that unit. You know, there are days where I feel frustrated or upset or tired or sad, um, especially recently. There's been a lot to feel, you know, tired about. Yeah. Um, but I do think the practice of yoga, not necessarily like the mat practice itself, but the practice of grounding in moments that feel um, destabilizing, certainly, is, is a practice that helps with 
you know, recognizing that there, it's not just that one particular event that we don't have control over. Like we don't have control over really any of this. Yeah. It's all an illusion. And so I think once you kind of come into that state of acceptance, it is a little bit easier to almost reframe that conversation that happens internally about like, you know, maybe this is always happening to me or yeah, things like that. Emma Jory, the founder of ePilates Online, an online Pilates studio, talks about the challenges of her messy middle when she was managing the Pilates studio she founded in Sydney. <laughs> yes, the beginning phase is, is uh, social, or all through it actually is stressful, even though you love it. And I think what um, drives you is your passion and your love for, for it. Um, but it, uh, it certainly... Yeah, you have to give it everything, I think, to be successful. And it's one thing that, um, you know, I, I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. And I think for me, it was like all in or, you know, nothing at all. So everything else went by the wayside. You know, I said no to so many friends and said no to so many things and just to, to really get established. Um, and I think also, I you know, I got to a point where I had 20 staff at one point at the peak and, um, you know, it was just a massive, um, it was, it was a huge, uh, sorry, it was a small studio, but it was a really busy studio. Uh, and, and we, we even had, um, teacher training courses running there. Um, we were the first studio in Australia to have bar. Um, and so I remember at times, um, I was the first bar teacher in Australia. I was the only one teaching classes. It's not like I could have a backup at the time. There was no one else. So there are a few times where I did run myself uh, into a burnout. Yeah, definitely. I found the fact that Emma described herself as a recovering perfectionist, a really important aspect of the personal growth that happens when you take on transformation. The idea that perfectionism is a hindrance rather than a blessing is discussed by the wonderful Brené Brown in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Brené says that perfectionism is a shield that we use to protect ourselves from feelings of inadequacy. It is not about self-improvement, and it is different from a healthy striving for excellence. In fact, perfectionism can get in the way of success. It is more often correlated with anxiety, analysis paralysis, and missed opportunities. But Emma also talks about the level of commitment and perseverance she had in growing her studio. This is where grit becomes part of the messy middle. Frankie Turner Shake, the founder of Frankitas and the community and retail space Bungalow 18, also talks about grit in terms of not giving herself any other option but to succeed. When I signed that document, uh, the lease agreement and paid the deposit, I said, okay, um, I've done this. And I have a responsibility, um, salaries, rent, utilities, uh, etc. There is no option but to succeed. And that's always been my motto, I think. When I want to do something, I want to do it right. And I want to wait. I don't want to look back and question and procrastinate. Did I do the right thing? Because that doesn't, it doesn't do you any good. Um, and I haven't looked back since. I think mistakes are in, inevitable, mm -hmm. but it's really how you manage your mistakes and what you do after. That's the most important and crucial part. Angela Duckworth is the world's leading expert on grit. Her TED Talk about grit has been viewed more than 24 million times. 
In her best-selling book, Grit, Passion, Perseverance, and the Science of Success, Duckworth writes, Grit grows as we figure out our life philosophy, learn to dust ourselves off after rejection and disappointment, and learn to tell the difference between low-level goals that should be abandoned quickly and higher-level goals that demand more tenacity. The maturation story is that we develop the capacity for long-term passion and perseverance as we get older. The other point that Duckworth makes in this paragraph is that not all goals are equal. Some warrant more effort, but others can be abandoned quickly. The trap of the perfectionist is to treat all goals as worthy of the same level of commitment and attention, which can sometimes lead to burnout. Nicola Hassan, founder of Avant X, a PR and brand consultancy, talks about the need to set boundaries. I think one of the silver linings from the past year has been that we've had to set boundaries, um, you know, and because otherwise work will just consume every aspect of your life because you're working from home, right? And so setting boundaries has been fantastic for my mental health and doing it unapologetically. And I think that's something I think as if you're like, if you're a type A personality, you're, you know, you would be like, oh, I should be able to take it on. I am capable. It's not whether you're capable or not. It's whether you should. If the first part of navigating the messy middle is to accept that it will happen, then the second part is to try and adjust our mindset in order to deal with it when it does. Some dots that I have picked up to help us do this are flexibility, consistency, and trust. Trust in the why behind your journey. Tracy Minoknuku talks about the importance of flexibility in ensuring you don't miss opportunities. Being too focused on achieving a set outcome can mean you either keep doing things that aren't working or you close yourself off to opportunities that might work better. You know, I put all my eggs in one basket and it did work out for me, but I wish that I had just been a little bit more <clears throat> flexible for example, and tried a few different things, especially at a younger age. Um, I was very, you know, very focused and driven and stuff to go in one direction and to be more open to where the road might take me so I don't miss out on other things that would enhance my life. Nicola also found flexibility to have been crucial to her business journey in the last year. If there's anything this past year has taught anyone who is a business owner, it is to be as flexible as possible, <laughs> you know, and, and to roll with the punches um, and control what you can control and not stress over what you can't control. When it's flat for so long, that's when people lose hope and they lose interest or drive because they're like, nothing's happening. I'm not getting the results. I'm spending so much time doing this. Um, where are the results? And what he's basically saying with this graph is the exponential growth will come. You just have to stick to your daily habits and you will get the results that you're after. Um, and I really like that. Yeah, it's about consistency. And then you will have that breakthrough moment where, where what you've envisioned in terms of your goals will manifest and it will happen. Nicola is drawing from some of the lessons in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. We discussed Atomic Habits during our conversation, and it is also one of our book club picks, so please have a read. Small, consistent habits have been critical to Nicola's ability to stay the course. 
When the pace of your journey is slow, when you aren't seeing progress, it's easy to let a bad habit slide. Focusing on consistent good habits might seem insignificant in the moment, but these compound over time. James Clear uses the following analogy in his book. The impact created by a change in your habits is similar to the effect of shifting the route of an airplane by just a few degrees. Imagine you are flying from Los Angeles to New York City. If leaving from LAX adjusts the heading just 3.5 degrees south, you will land in Washington, D.C. instead of New York. Similarly, a slight change in your daily habits can guide your life to a very different destination. Making a choice that is 1% better or 1% worse seems insignificant in the moment, but over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, these choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be. Shireen Olick uses the analogy of a weight loss journey to explain why consistency feels so difficult at times, and why even when progress is slow and we aren't seeing any results, this is the time to double down. So why is change so hard? People know that, oh, if I do A, B, and C, I'm going to get this really positive outcome. But here's the thing. They've not experienced the positive outcome yet, right? So they can only imagine it. But right now, if I say to someone, hey, you know, you're on this weight loss journey and your goal is to lose five kilos by, you know, X month, but here's some cake. Well, they've never actually experienced their life at that five kilos lighter, but they have tried cake before. So in that moment, what becomes more familiar? Oh, cake. And this is why change becomes so hard, because it's not about, oh, when I get there, then I'll be consistent about it. No, it's even at times when you feel like you don't want to be consistent, that's when you need to be your most consistent. If the work is feeling overwhelming, it's okay to break it down into more manageable chunks. Emma Jory talks about this with Pilates. It can be difficult to commit to a one-hour workout each day, but that's not actually what is required to achieve results over the long term. I think they have to fit in a whole hour in their day, and that can itself be stressful. The thought, if they're busy, uh, you know, it can be unrealistic sometimes. So uh, fitting in 10 to 15 minutes a day does make change and also helps us to um, improve how we feel. It, it Once we achieve something, we want to go back and do it again. You know, we get that feel-good sensation. So The problem with practicing consistency is that we can only see the benefits it brought us by looking backwards. In order to maintain consistency, we need to have trust that it will work. Trust in ourselves and trust in the why that brought us on the journey. But if you need something more tangible, then take James Clear's advice and trust in the mathematics of positive compounding. If this is where you are in your journey, I urge you to stay the course. But don't listen to me. Joan Lowe from Thoughtful would say the same thing. Joan's advice is that when you are struggling, focus on the why. Stay the course. It will be okay. Small steps one day at a time. And, you know, I could be 50 years old and, uh, you know, 30 years under my belt. And there will always still be people who... um, I would say will question, right, and challenge. Um, I think purpose for me is the why of what 
of of our lives and also of the things that we do and the and and, and the values that we defend against right um and so i think for me purpose is very much about why am i doing this in the first place uh for anyone out there who has worked in the corporate world i think uh, a lot of times the what's and the hows are not the issue um you know you have a very cushy life it's a great uh career trajectory you'll know exactly where you'll be in 5 years or 10 years and you'll know what your pay scale looks like it's very nice uh but i think the issue is understanding also why we're doing certain things and 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 therein lies you know sometimes that gap of fulfillment or contentment that some people who um have been doing things kind of mechanically or automatically for too long on autopilot uh will will then start questioning um i think that for me in a nutshell is 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 what purpose is you know exactly why you're doing it and every day even though the what and the how may change uh even though there will be challenges thrown at you throughout that journey uh so long as that purpose and the why is there and that's your true north uh i think i think that's when it's worth it doing Kylie Dennis believes that trust allows us to see the roadblocks as redirects and that if we can trust that the difficult moments are there to teach us something we will be able to use them as signposts to guide our journey this is for everybody who wants to do something out there but is afraid of the roadblocks and a little bit for me too is that they are there for a reason mhm and we don't always appreciate them in the moment but i cannot in this moment and and i don't even think even after we leave here today i will be able to think of anything that has not been a gift from the universe i've had so many roadblocks and they felt like they were going to be the end of my business or the end of my journey and they were actually a redirect and yeah. most roadblocks are a redirect and it wasn't meant to go that way anyways mm-hmm. and in a lot of cases you end up with something better The final part of the journey is the arrival. This is the point at which transformation is complete. Or is it? Is the journey ever really finished? The arrival may be the end point of a particular transformation or life lesson, but you may not arrive at the place you expected. Nicola Hassan puts this idea together much more neatly than I ever could when she says, "Trust in time and in, in th- that there is time for everything that you don't have to rush something that um pursuing your goals doesn't mean having to force something to happen if that makes sense like there is a difference between being a go-getter and just being really just too intense <laughs> about things you know and and understanding that you might not have ach- achieved the goal the way you had envisioned that journey to be but you've achieved a goal in a different way and just being very open and receptive to that that's what i tell my my younger self what i have learned in this season is that life is not a straight line and that the magic of the journey is in the daily steps while the messy middle is hard it is also where the qualities that lead to transformation are developed grit consistency flexibility and trust. I started the journey of this podcast essentially with a dare. I wanted to create a community that inspired and encouraged women to create lives of purpose on their own terms. 
I wanted to talk to women who were doing this so that their stories could become my lessons. I didn't know where to begin until a friend challenged me to take the next month to start. And so I started with this podcast. And I've already had many, many missteps, but I'm also learning faster than I have in a very long time. If you were interested in any of the books that I talked about in this episode, then there's a reading list in the show notes, and I will also post this reading list on Instagram. In the next season of The Purpose Effect, we will be talking more about community and also more about how we create impact within our communities. I also have a few new surprises, which I will be offering to the community we are growing here. So keep tuning in and buckle up. We are only just getting started.